Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. The Bible Talks is a show that discusses deep theology in a simple way. If you're interested in theology but don't consider yourself a theologian, this is a show for you. We are Josh and Heather Tice with Minister 2 and Lead Southern Hills Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We love each other, love theology, and we love to talk. You can find this and previous episodes on our iTunes podcast or on KVXL 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio. All right, we like to begin with a little fun, so go for it, Heather. Okay. Okay, Josh. Okay, Heather. I want you to answer this question and say your first gut answer. Okay, it's in my gut, and I'm ready. Oh, before we do, hey, we have a sponsor for this episode. What? Yeah. A I sponsor. have received no funds. Oh, well, that's because I've already spent them on the coffee that you're drinking right now. It wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> oh, just a small sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> As a parent, do you ever worry that it may be impossible in today's culture to raise children who love God? Yes, I do, all the time. Well, Josh? today's podcast is sponsored by Raising Kids, Grazing God's Kids in Sin Grazing? City. Grazing God's Kids? Raising God's <laughs> Kids Oh, that Sin makes City. more sense. Raising God's Kids in Sin City. It's a book written by my father, which presents 15 biblical principles of child rearing for tr- Christian parents today. You can get your copy today by visiting davidtice.com forward slash book. Listen, you need to get that book because there's a lot of wisdom in it and also because you need to read the foreword. The well, foreword, the dedication. Who's it dedicated to, Heather? To me. Wow. I'm not kidding. My name is in that book, and I will sign it for you if you send the book to sponsor me. Sponsor an episode. In, sponsor an episode. <laughs> buy our coffee. No, send me the book in a self-addressed stamped envelope so I can send it back to you. I will autograph on the dedication page by my name, and I just want to be a blessing to you in that way. Heather, you're such a giving person. I know. I'm just a giver. I have to say, Sin City, Raising Kids in Sin City, we are doing that. Yeah. And our youngest daughter the other day just found out that that was our city's nickname. And she's like, oh, we are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that was Scarlett. I thought that was we so funny. I forgot to tell you. Yes, Scarlett, we are. <laughs> We're at the top of the She's like, we charts. don't even hide it. No, <laughs> she was don't. just shocked by that no. nickname. So, Heather, what's the fun? Okay, here's our fun question. Straightforward here. What celebrity annoys you the most? What celebrity annoys me the most? Yep. Great question. Uh, oh, boy, I did. I wasn't exper- expecting this. Heather, why don't you have begin? Mine. Easy. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I know some I women love him. love him and think he's charming. He's an idiot. He drives me crazy. I'm just yeah. like, and not in the good way. <laughs> not right. like, oh my word, he's so cute. He drives me crazy. No. No. The other way. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Matthew. If you're listening, what listen, if Matthew listens? Listen, it's not hopeless. Get your act together, bro. It's not hopeless. I think you just we just need to talk and I think my hero is a version of myself ten years from now. <laughs> it's not even that stuff. Even I am when he's got hero. lines written for him, I just feel like <laughs> Oh, dude, I just need to help you. Uh, like the swagger, the thing he's trying to bring I'm just like like you know yeah. Pygmalion, sure. my fair lady. Of I course. need to my fair lady, Matthew McConaughey, because I could help this boy. Bless that, his heart. Yeah. <sighs> What about you? Who's your your celebrity that annoys you? There's the a most? lot of celebrities coming to mind, but they're so there's it's beyond irritating. It's like they're terrible people, and oh. so th- then I'm going to start getting preachy. No, just tell us someone who's like their voice grates on your nerves. Rosie O'Donnell, I'll tell you there that right you now. Go. Oh my word! There what? You it, go. What? It, oh, sweetheart, and the other Rosie, by the way, uh, Roseanne. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I it was funny. All this. the conservatives who began to love Roseanne. 
uh, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. What is the difference between her and Rosie O'Donnell? And the answer is uh, politics. Ooh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry if I offended you. Um, let's not cut that though because it was funny. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. But both of those women drive me up the wall. You know, it's uh, interesting. You yeah. picked a woman. I picked a man. Well, yeah. Women. And you know, there are major differences true. in women and women. There's mimin. Mimin have differences. That's the new gender, by the way. Mimin. Oh, don't say that. No, there are differences between women and men, and especially in the ways that we communicate. There really is. And that's why we have this episode. Now, look at this episode that we have coming up. I just transitioned. No, don't mess it up by saying you just transitioned. Now she's singing and dancing. I'm like my We had the first good one in 48 episodes. We recorded this episode actually at a staff meeting where Heather and I were doing some training for our staff at our local church, and it was a good... uh, conversation reminded me of a bible talks i said hey let's make sure this record recording gets to the studio and crystal our amazing producer can make sure it becomes one of the episodes so i think you're going to enjoy this episode as we discuss communication the differences between men and women yeah one of the interesting things you'll hear this in the episode is that very often we look at the other type of communication and say well that's wrong yes and it's not the goal is not to say okay i'm going to change to be the right kind it's to build bridges and say okay i'm going to be aware some children some spouses this is how they communicate some co-workers some ministry laborers that i serve with this is why they respond this way it's because they type, have this type of communication. So, so without, where you fall. Yeah. So without any further ado, here we go. I do. Today we're talking about um, communication, and this falls under the broad category of our uh, uh, our staff core values, and that is cooperate then or collaborate then cooperate. So basically, this is about mm-hmm. um, collaboration. Cooperation is our idea. The collaboration cooperation means together we come together and we communicate, we discuss ideas, and then once we go forward, we then collaborate with or then we could uh, cooperate with each other and uh, being on the same page the illustration we always give is like a mom and dad in front of the children we collaborate <laughs> together the children are not around we decide we're on the same page and then we go forward and we cooperate with each other mm-hmm. so in the same way our staff does with our local church yeah. And so today we're focusing on communication because just like um, a mom and dad <laughs> need to learn to grow in communication as a staff, we can always grow. Each of us as individuals can grow in how we communicate. Uh, the Bible speaks about this in Ephesians 4, verses 5 through 6. It's talking about walking wisely with those who are not believers, um, essentially. But it, it uses this phrase, making the best use of your time, you know, using your time wisely. Let your speech always be gracious. And we talked about that this morning. It was neat that that's kind of the direction Huddle went. Um, It's how is our speech? Is our speech gracious? And I was called out by my brother in Christ for not being gracious and giving grace to a police officer. (laughs) Um, And so working on that. But let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each person. And learning how to communicate. I know we're talking biblically there. I don't want to take this first too far out of context, but, you know, straight out of context a little. Um, Straight out of context. (laughs) Yeah, we need those shirts. Yep. Um, So that's what we're talking about today. And um, a couple of things on your notes, you'll see this at the top. Understanding the differences between the genders and building bridges to become better together. So the notes today come from about three different books and then personal experience. So the books that we're referencing, there's Communicating 9 to 5 in the Workplace, the differences between men and women in the work environment, which is a fun one. Um, Then we've got Leading from the Front, and then John Maxwell's book, Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. 
So, or not everybody connects. It's something like that. It's a good book on communication. So we've kind of gathered things from all these and, uh, there is something missing in your notes. You'll see the S there. What is the S for? The S stands for satisfactory communication. So you can fill that. No. no. That's a mistake. It's a typo. That's why the S is there. We wanted to get that cute little picture. See the cute office workers down there, the man and the woman in your notes? It is inspiring. And because we did that little picture, we didn't notice that we left out what you've already noticed, which is that these are generalizations. Right. So, <laughs> so when we talk about answering each person, I think that's, uh, or Ephesians 4 verse 6 talking about how to answer each person. I think that's really where this this lesson is focused. It's how do you speak specifically to the people that have different personality, different skill set, different giftedness, especially have as different genders um, communicate. Now, as Heather has already mentioned, these are generalizations. It's not saying that every man communicates exactly this way or every woman communicates exactly this way. This is not based on, like she said, our specific research and study. It's based on a few personal experiences and the way we communicate, but especially out of these three books that we've been studying and what others have stated about how men and women work together. But in reality, you're going to find yourself in some of these saying, man, I'm more like this and I wish people could communicate to me that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's really what we're wanting to do, looking beyond the way you communicate or want people to communicate and how others communicate and how they desire to communicate. Mm-hmm. And as long as that's the idea, it's putting others first, it's the biblical concept of, of not thinking of yourself first, but thinking of others and realizing people communicate differently, and I want to learn that. Yeah, and what you said is so important there. So in your notes, you do see initially some of these attributes as we go through them, you're going to think immediately, oh, that's a negative I don't want to communicate like that. So-and-so does that, and yeah, that's why they struggle in communication. But um, that's not the case. Yeah. Almost all of these have a positive spin to them, and we can grow by learning the other one as well. So when I read the book last year, The Communicating in the Workplace from 9 to 5, it had a lot of transcripts of office communication and men and women, how they communicate differently, things like that. And I kept waiting for them to tell me, you know, like a new Christian here, tell me what to do. Tell me the right way. And I remember at first getting frustrated because they weren't saying this is how the wrong way is and this is the right way. They were saying this is a different style. Some people be aware. Women will bring this in. Men will bring this in generally. And to learn and grow from it. And that's the whole point of the session is not to say, oh, this is negative. It's to help us understand how to communicate better. The great thing is communication is a learned skill. So it's something you can grow in. It's something we all can. So we're working on building bridges today to understand not just the staff. But we all communicate as leaders in this church, in this ministry. We communicate with other ministries. I mean, Blake just got back from teaching and communicating and having not just teaching, but one-on-one conversations, right? Answering questions with individuals. You're going to be communicating with teenagers. You're going to be dealing with volunteers who come to minister. Even the church member that may have a complaint or, you know, come with a question or a statement. Learning to understand what they're communicating and how they're communicating and get better at that. As we walk through the entire lesson, what we want you to be actively doing is not only taking notes, but answering this question to yourself. Which of these areas do I need to communicate in most? That'll lead to the discussion portion of our our gathering today. Which of these can I grow in most? Which do I not do well? And uh, boy, if I needed to grow in one area. By the way, as you're looking around, you're working with these people. So they're probably already thinking of the area that you can grow in most, right? (laughs) We don't want you to do that. Don't look at the person around you and say, this is what they need to grow in. You Mm -hmm. you identify your area specifically. I need to grow in this area most and then mark Mm -hmm. that. And and we're going to go around in a circle afterward. Small group style. All right, Heather, let's begin with the first one. 
uh, women. Okay, so women typically, first of all, are usually unwilling to take credit for their accomplishments, which again, that sounds initially like, oh, that's such a good thing. You know, they're humble. Sounds like humility. Um, And that's great. But the problem is sometimes uh, as much as we will speak and use our words as women, sometimes we don't communicate what we are getting done. And that's not helpful because then the boss doesn't understand what's going on. Your supervisor doesn't know what's happening. The church doesn't know what's being accomplished for the kingdom. So, for example, um, let's take youth ministry as an example. So they have a great youth night, okay, and 10 people get saved and all these things. God is at work. And they just think this was great, but we, they don't share it. Right. And so a lot of times what we think is, oh, it's humble for me not to share those mm-hmm. things because I don't want to arrogantly talk about how amazing Hillside was or how amazing Connect mm-hmm. Class was or how amazing Small Group was, uh, Youth Group. And the answer is, no, no, no. It's actually arrogant the opposite way. It's, uh, it's arrogant because the idea is, number one, I'm the only one who needs to celebrate this. Number two, mm-hmm. um, I'm the only one who needs this information. In reality, yeah. we do all desperately yeah. need to know how well things are going. And so the, especially in a growing organization. Yeah. Because we don't we're not always aware of things that are happening. So yeah. when there are successes, it's a very wise thing yeah. to mark that down, bring those to your next meetings with Fred, mm-hmm. bring those to your next meetings with us, uh, write it on uh, CCB and send that out. You yeah. can even write that down specifically and develop a little story with it, an anecdote about it and bring that to mm-hmm. uh, a specific meeting that we have once a month, which yeah. is our strategy meeting. Mm-hmm. So you can win bring those celebrations together. Like it's been stated before, um, I forget who said it. But uh, somebody says, I don't want to toot my own horn. And the answer is, oh, yeah, this is Fred. I don't want to toot my own horn. <laughs> and the yet, what's that? Yeah, if, you're, if you don't toot your own horn, your, your horn will forever go untooted. I like that. If you don't toot Be your sure own horn. Be sure and tweet horn, that. Your horn will forever go untooted. Twitter worthy. And the answer is we want you to toot your own horn because if you were Mm -hmm. – here's the idea. If you're tooting your horn out there with a bunch of people trying to prove yourself better than everybody else – that that make that that's arrogant. But we're all part of the same team. Yeah. If you kicked the ball in the yeah. soccer goal and you want and you're like, oh God bless me, I was the only person that matter. No, the whole team's going to jump yeah. around you and celebrate because your scoring is <laughs> all of us scoring. Yeah. So within this setting, we want you to toot your own horn. We want you to talk about how great it is. That is definitely true, especially like you said of and women. And that's important in the work environment. So letting hey, I got those mail outs done. That happened. Just communicating. This was taken care of. I got this done because otherwise at the end of the week, sometimes we wonder, okay, why is this ministry that I love and that God's using considered being cut? Because you haven't been communicating what's going on. So when we look at things and we're trying to simplify, the supervisor might might say, oh, that's not necessary because, you know. They don't know what God's been doing there. So communicate that. Share that because we're all working in this together. It's part of good communication. Now, the flip side of that is that sometimes the male mind can't overvalue their accomplishments. Yeah, overvalue your accomplishments. <laughs> um, are you accomplishing what your supervisor wanted, wanted done? So a lot of times we as men can say, man, look how great this is working for me. Look how great mm-hmm. I did on this thing. And sometimes that thing that we are overvaluing may not be something that needed to be accomplished in the first place or something that doesn't hold value to the organization. So um, 
Have you considered the team that made this happen? Have you realized it's not simply your accomplishment, it's their mm-hmm. accomplishment as well? Hillside is a great example of this. And I think Matt's done a good job making sure that the people around um, have, have been celebrated. It's not just Matt, it's Matt and Madison. Um, I, th- I think Heather and I attempt to be a really good example for the husband-wife relationship that it's not just Josh, it's Josh and Heather that are, are serving the Lord here together. So it's, it's always, always, always men. Look, real practical, always value and publicly praise your wife as your ministry together here at Southern Hills. But beyond that, your team, right? So uh, Cody and Kelsey are going to have a team in relation to middle school ministry and even uh, uptown in the future. And as you have that, anytime that's recognized, when you're tooting your own horn, make sure that you're tooting their horns as well, that you're talking about how great and amazing that this would be and that you would be nothing apart from it. We attempt also to exemplify this, um, and you'll see this most exemplified uh, whenever people start praising the church or what's going on, often what you'll see me do is reflect, uh, uh, deflect. And I talk about Fred and I talk about Kelly. I talk about Jason. I talk about Kimberly and the long-term ministry. And re- and this is the idea, making sure, asking yeah. that question, have you considered the team that made this happen? Yeah, I realize that when we have opportunities, it's because there's a group here that's been working hard. The reason that we can you know, do this Lays event is because we have an executive pastor who's been keeping track of the budget and who's helped us grow. We have um, a church that's growing because we have a program pastor that's creating these amazing Sundays, um, a pastor who's giving the word. So the reason I have this pool to draw from and help women grow further is because of what others are doing. The reason I'm able to make that coffee appointment stuff is because Melanie is working hard to make sure my other things are in order and that I'm not double booked. And so again, it's that team mentality of realizing that, yeah, God is giving us all this opportunity. So understanding that's important. How can you help other team members win in their scenario and value their ministries? Uh, One of the best examples of this was brought up by Pastor Chris, I think in a recent huddle that I was part of, when he pointed to Jason and how Jason attempted to say, okay, I've got to promote this new sermon series, Mm -hmm. but how can I use this promotion of this new sermon series to get more people into small group. And this is a huge aspect of what we call collaborate and cooperate. Um, It was a beautiful example that we can all look to that just happened a few months ago. So instead of just lighting up the stage with the word ignite, he said each bulb represents a small group. Let's pull Chris in. Chris was like, oh, yeah, this is great. We're going to get more people signed up for small group. It's a win for everybody because Jason was not just looking at his specific area. He was looking at Chris's area. This is the type of thing you have to be creative in. How can I do that? How can I cross-pollinate? How can I promote our ministry, but at the same time promote everyone's ministry and uh, see their success? Life is about people. Uh, Heather, des- describe what we mean by this. Life is about people. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next section, things. but really understanding your, when you're thinking about your teammate, know, know what your coworkers feel. What makes them, with your volunteers, what makes them laugh? What makes them cry? What makes them sing? What makes them dance? I mean, what are the things that inspire the people around you? What is their focus? So um, that kind of leads into the second one, which is women tend to speak in stories. Men tend to speak in numbers. And you say, well, which one's right? Which one's stronger? Well, what do good communicators do? They speak in both. (laughs) So we can learn from one another. But especially ladies, when we are communicating with men, we need to remember to learn to use numbers. That speaks well to them. Um, Give a number and explain, okay, this is what, how many we had attend last year. Keep records of that. Think in numbers. What is the budget going to be? Sometimes we focus only on the stories. And we need to remember communicating to men, it's important to give the numbers. Now, in stories, let's talk about the power of stories. Um, In the book, 100 Ways to Improve Your Writing, Gary Provost wrote this. He has a whole little 
portion on this. It's a great little book, by the way, if you want to grow in writing. It's phenomenal. Such a good book. But he says this. People are why TVs get turned on. People are why books get opened. People are why magazines are purchased. And people are why the well-told tale has been listened to for centuries. People is the one subject everybody cares about. Don't write about the new bookkeeping system. Write about how the new bookkeeping system will affect people. If you're writing about the welfare crisis, begin with an anecdote about one family that lives in a car because they cannot rent out of their small welfare check. If you're writing a brochure to attract new members to your church, don't write about the steeple and the organ. (laughs) It's an old book, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Write about the people who come to church suppers, the people who volunteer for committees, the people... Your readers will meet if they show up for church on Sundays. That's an important thing, I think, for us to remember as we are communicating, as we're leaders communicating, even if it's just a word spoken at the connect desk on Sunday or to a volunteer or to another church member. Remember, communication, when we're trying to lead, we need to use stories about people. How we many need to of share you, the stories of what God's doing. How many of you, um, you ever watch those presidential speeches or a poli- political speech, and oftentimes they'll be like, I was just, they, they talk, 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 and you're not paying attention, and you kind of lose track after three or four minutes. Policy, 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 bullet point, bullet point, and then they're like, I was just in Duluth, Minnesota. And in Duluth, Minnesota, I met Sally Bank- Blankenship. And Sally Blankenship, and then they start telling the story, and all of a sudden you start sitting in. Sally Blankenship doesn't have any hot water, and her child needs McDonald's. And they're walking through this story, and by the time you're like, oh, man, poor Sally. What's the solution for Sally? And he's already given the solution. Now he gives a story to back up the solution, and then he goes back to his solution. Therefore, that's why we need to have a chicken in every pot and a Ford in every driveway or whatever. Yeah. And so this is the idea. And so hire me and vote for me and mm-hmm. we'll make that happen. Stories validate mm-hmm. the, 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 the message that you're trying yeah. to get across. And so uh, this is not saying, like she said, one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's if you're going to communicate to a broad audience of people, mm-hmm. and this is definitely true within even our little circles of meetings, in our one-on-ones with, uh, with the executive pastor, with us, you need to communicate in stories. If you yeah. think something is important, then give the data. We're going to get mm-hmm. to that in a moment. But then give anecdotal stories that back mm-hmm. up your point of view. So, by the t- so then we're emotionally involved with you and you're like, yeah, man, that story just broke my heart. Whatever you want. That's really a good way to communicate. I love, I got to brag on Lisa. She's actually here at the church waiting on something else, but as she's working on crafting how she's going to recruit for nursery, instead of saying, here's the number of workers we need, we need workers and just throwing out numbers. Do you know what she's doing? She's working on creating a platform that is all about Here's the wonderful ladies who serve. Did you know this woman? Here's what she does. Here's a story about something that happened in nursery this week. She's working on inspiring with stories, which especially will connect to an audience of women because who serves in the nursery? Women. So keeping that in mind. An example of that would be we're about to start really heavily promoting nursery coming Mm -hmm. up April 7th, I believe it is. And, uh, and when we do, instead of, hey, we have nurseries up there, (laughs) really a, a much better story to tell is me walking down and picking up King. And walking up to the platform saying, this is King. He's my buddy. He likes to worship with me on Sundays. But we're really excited for King and for all the other Christians or all the other young babies that come to this church his age. Because King is going to be part of our new nursery program that's starting this next Sunday. See, there's a story. Everybody likes King. There's this beautiful picture. It's not just we have a nursery. There's a story that goes along with it. It's mm-hmm. people. Going back to that idea, everything is about people. Mm-hmm. And people like to hear about other people. 
Yeah. So, uh, like you said, uh, it, typically women speak in stories. Men like to speak in numbers. Yeah, talk about the power of speaking in numbers. Yeah, the power of speaking in numbers allow us to really uh, show data that is trending in a certain direction. So there could be a lot of stories that are going on. Boy, look at this story of this person and that person and the other. But if you're in an organization and the numbers are trending downward, whether that be Sunday morning attendance within a church setting or the offerings in a church setting or um, those many people going to youth group or, uh, or Hillside or whatever it might be, you see those numbers trending downward. It doesn't matter how many good stories there are. Mm-hmm. The data's not backing up what's actually taking yeah. place. The reason Sunday nights have shifted like tremendously and people are just feeling the ramifications of what Sunday nights are going to be around here, I think positively, what's going to happen, what, what happened is it wasn't because we heard three or four stories about teenagers who have been impacted by Fuse. is because mm-hmm. numbers told the story mm-hmm. and the numbers came in and they're like, well, there's... Is there's you know there were 80, 80 people here there were seventy nine people there was eighty four people at that point we're like oh my gosh what are we gonna do we can't do this so what are we going to do we're gonna have to figure it out so stories speak to some but the numbers bring the data to back up the change that becomes necessary and now we've created this entire new thing on Sunday nights that I think will will do it service well for many years to come. Hmm. Good. So being aware of using stories and speaking in numbers as well. Women tend to be number three, problem preventers, and men tend to be problem solvers. And some of the books even call them white knights. So um, they have the giftedness of being able to come in very often when there is catastrophe and save the day. And that's a good thing. That's something that typically the woman can learn from the man. Uh, Women tend to be problem preventers. Uh, One of the books, the I don't remember what, which what that, one it was. Before you get, before, the, the idea is there, a man often doesn't get intimidated by mm-hmm. the fact that everything is not, and again, this is, this is, um, this is not, this is a generalization. a generalization. A man doesn't get intimidated by the fact that not everything's ready in that moment. Mm-hmm. He knows he'll come in and save the day. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Now, he's prepared, and he's as prepared as he possibly can be, but there is a sense of the ability to say, um, I, I'll, I'll solve this problem whenever I get to that problem. Um, that can be extremely frustrating mm-hmm. to somebody who is not a problem solver but a problem preventer. Yeah, so one of the books talked about um, a shift a company was making to a technological technological side. No, technological is good. Technological. Like, like they that. were going to become really technological, y'all. Yeah. And uh, the two branch managers, one was a female, one was a male. The woman saw that change coming and she began preparing for it. She began hiring secretaries who had experience with those computer programs. And those secretaries began teaching the staff. So when the transition happened and they were, what did I say? Te- technological. <laughs> when they became technological, it was easy because they already were. Um, the branch manager who was the man did not prepare for this. And so when the change happened, it was confusion and catastrophe, but he rolled with it. He brought in a luncheon, brought lunch for everybody. He brought in someone to train the staff and they were covered. Now here, this goes back to number one, the one who received commendation for that transition was the man. Was the dude, yeah. Because the woman had not communicated what she had done, if she had been communicating, first of all, hey, I've been hiring secretaries, we were working on training the staff, not only could it have helped her recognition, but it also could have helped the entire office, the entire not be more organization, because then they could have said, oh, that's a great idea. Are you guys doing that? And they could have avoided that problem. But the key is, I think if the roles were reversed, could that woman have handled the change in the crisis? And sometimes, like Josh was saying, as women, we may be really good at preventing and thinking through things. And then some of us 
we're not good at handling when there is a change and catastrophe rolling with the punches. And that's something we can watch one another and learn. Wow. You know what? When suddenly there weren't enough workers and we needed more, look at how that person, look at how he or she rolled with that. Look at how they transitioned. Look at how they calmed everybody down in that crisis. This point has never been more clearly illustrated to me than watching the differences as Kylie will probably listen to this later. um, Watching the differences between working with Kylie in idea day and working with Steve Miller in idea day. Mm -hmm. because Steve Miller had this incredible ability to come in and he prepared. I mean, things were prepared. He would even position the water Mm -hmm. bottles on the table very specifically that night before. Mm -hmm. He would prepare. But I'm telling you, if something went down in that Mm -hmm. moment, he he rolled with the punches. He saved the day. He uh, problem solved. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought he was hyper prepared. I've never... (laughs) think I've dealt with somebody like Kylie, who every detail months in advance needs to be absolutely prepared for. Mm-hmm. And she is this problem preventer. And the reality is, once you got to that idea day, there are far less issues to deal with. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I've also noticed a little bit of nervousness if something on that day isn't going exactly well. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing to see this stereotype play out with yeah. the men and the women I've, I've led with. Mm-hmm. The answer is, th- so where am I? That's not mm-hmm. the right question. The question for you is, how can I better communicate with yeah. others, both men and women, or those who have this different point of view and can mm-hmm. work in that environment and communicate? communicate better to people. And one of the ways you grow in that is not only by watching one another handle situations, but by when you see someone who does handle that well, ask them later. Use questions. How did you do that? Or pay attention. Or even if you're in a crisis moment, say, hey, what should I do here? Yeah. Do you have thoughts? How can I brainstorm? And then honestly, we're going to get to that towards the end. One of the best things is by presenting a positive outlook and being calm. And we'll talk about that towards the end. Okay. Women typically desire detailed communication. Men tend to like to have brief uh, communication and want it simplified. So this is something we can learn in communicating to one another. So, um, a woman will communicate with a man and want all these details. Okay. So ladies, this is something we can learn, um, that we want, um, very, very clear instructions because we want to do it right. We want to you know, make sure this task is covered and we have to choose our battles. So typically what a man would rather us do is for us to be competent, to learn, okay, this is the way program works. Pastor Combs is given to give us two weeks to do life group promotion you know, for millennials, for Hillside, for the ladies ministry, whatever. I've got two weeks for this small groups. Okay. He wants this done afterwards and knowing, okay, this is what he expects. This is what I can do and make some of those decisions. Okay. This is what pastor wants done. I know it's hard on this. I've already asked him five questions today. So I'm going to choose the most important five, you know, to use as my questions. And I'm not going to send other texts. I've done that before. I have sent him a text and I know I've got two other texts I want to send but I need to just make the call, right? Yeah, it, it, a lot of times when you're dealing with this type of communicator, um, the individual is not as concerned with how you get the job done, that you get the job done. Mm. That's what matters most. Yeah. Now, there are going to be specific times where that person who's leading is is very, very specific. For example, Chris, uh, Pastor Owens, he leads... I don't know, probably more leaders within our church than any of us with all of his small group of 51 small groups or whatever it might be. But there are moments where he's going to be expressing to them, this is what I want you to do. And there are going to be some small group leaders like, okay, detail me a 20 point outline on how to do just that. Well, he might need to train a few of them, but really the biggest thing he can train them on is not how to do it this time, but that here's the thing 
you get it done any way you want. All I care about is the outcome mm -hmm. specifically. Um, and this is the idea of desiring detailed communication. Um, if you are dealing with somebody that does desire detailed communication, understand not everybody has the ability to give you yeah. all that detailed communication. But secondly, you are also working with people. If, you, if you're not somebody who gives detailed communication, you are working with some people that mm -hmm. really do desire that. And so the idea is not to be one or the other. The idea is realize you're working mm -hmm. with other types of people and try your best to, uh, like you say, communicate graciously. One of the things that's interesting is that I've noticed as I've um, collaborated with women and men is very often a woman seeking detail will send this kind of text. Would you like me to do A or B? And the response that comes back in the text is yes. What? <laughs> and then what you don't want, men, is another text. And that's what gets sent. Sometimes three more. Wait a minute. Do you want this or this or this? So realize when you're working with someone who is a detailed person, try to give that initial feedback and you will have less conversation, which is what you want. And then on the other side, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're working with somebody who is not a detailed person and they just give you, then it's okay for you to take that bull by the horns and make it happen. Mm. Figure out a way to do it and what and realize they're looking for an end result, not that well, I don't want to make make a mistake in how I did it. Mm -hmm. That's right. They're not as concerned about how you did it, just that you did it. One of the things that comes into play here is that how we use communications when men and women. Women tend to talk things out to find a solution. Um, I'm amazed at how many times if I am running through something for a program scenario or writing something or even trying to figure out a direction on a lesson, if I can just talk it out with somebody and say, here's what I'm thinking, here's the bullet points, then all of a sudden it's just crystal clear. Women typically use communication to get to a solution. That's how we collaborate. Men, very often, if you're looking for a solution, you don't want to talk about it. You withdraw, and then when you're ready to communicate, it's to get the task done. So men realize that very often if a woman's speaking, it's because she's working through the situation. She's not telling you what she's decided to do with the choir organization or whatever. She's actually communicating, here's why I'm thinking through. Um, men very often do the opposite of that. Now, this is where we deviate, or I deviate a little bit from the stereotype. I am the type of person who I love to come up with a solution through communal discussion. So let's talk about it. Let's talk mm -hmm. about it. Let's talk about it. And sometimes we talk about it to the point of death, and it never, nothing ever happens. Mm -hmm. But that's what tends to even flavor kind of how our organization is structured sometimes. Uh, but we want to limit that as much as possible, because at some point, mm -hmm. there are those that desire brief communication and simplify. Sometimes uh, okay, you already mentioned that specific part. The only other thing we'll add here, I thought this was so good, so I want to share it. Um, this one comes directly from the book. I was about to say Max Licato. I hope I didn't say that earlier. Who's the leadership guy? Maxwell. Maxwell, John Maxwell. There is a John Max in there. Maxwell. Yeah, there's a Max. You got it right. So, anyway. Max from... From, relax, uh, Max. Relax, Max. Okay. But this comes from I his was, book. I and, was thinking of the Max from um, The Grinch. Remember oh, Max? I never think about Max. that. Max! We had a Max Haygood, who was a, our music director did when I was see, a kid. So did anybody see the of. new Grinch? The no, new one? The, why it, would they? That's garbage. Good, it's There's garbage. There's only one Grinch. There's only one Grinch, and it's Jim Carrey. That's right. God bless him. That's right. Okay. And his portrayal of the Grinch. Am I right? Thank you. Cumberbatch okay. needs to stick to Sherlock. Yeah. That's all I want to say. That's right. He's the new yeah. Grinch, and it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they can't. oh, yeah, they might be afraid of it. That's all right. When they get older. You're supposed to be a little afraid of the Grinch. If you're not a little afraid, they didn't do it right. Okay. Agreed. 
Okay, so back to John Maxwell. Um, he was talking about connecting. Communication is all about connecting with others. And when it comes to detail, if you're like, well, I just don't need to give the details or I don't need the details. Yeah, so I don't need helpful. to, you know, to ask questions or to get more out of this. Um, words. Um, then here's something that might help you, okay, with asking questions. Connectors connect on common ground, and here's barriers. These are things that keep us from connecting. Assumption. I already know what you need. So I don't need to ask. I know what you need. And very often assumption is wrong. We could talk about that in premarital counseling because whew, the studies show that even couples who've been married for years only get what the other person's thinking about and thinking and feeling correct about 30% of the time. And it only goes down from there. So assumptions are usually wrong. So often halted because <laughs> we do with a lot of marriages because of assumption. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I already know. Yeah. No, you don't. That's why we're sitting here. That happens in the workplace as well. Yeah. Um, arrogance. I don't need to know what you want or need. Let me tell you <laughs> what you need. Um, indifference. I don't care to know what others need. Or control. I don't want others to know because I'm going to be in charge of this. So just um, I don't think that's the spirit, but that is something that can creep up um, in our hearts. So it's something to be aware of that will block communication. Okay. And they build on each other. We could do a whole lesson on those four, but it's a fascinating lesson, a fascinating mm-hmm. study, especially in any relationship that demands yeah. communication. Uh, maybe we'll talk more about As that. As a hindrance in counseling, I know this is not a counseling session, but we all counsel. Y'all, as you talk to people, be careful. It's so easy to assume or to be arrogant and say, I know we are not God. Right. We don't know all the details. We don't know all the details of um, things on their heart. We don't know their motivations for coming into counseling. We we may assume very incorrectly, and we need to keep a right spirit in that. That's just me preaching to myself there. Okay. <laughs> so women tend to tear up. Men te- tend to blow up. Yeah, okay. let's talk about this in communication. Tear up mm-hmm. versus blow up. And in this one, we've said most of these are neither good nor bad. The answer to this is both of these are not good. Yeah. <laughs> both of these are negative. Um, and if you find yourself blowing up or tearing up, we need to be able to uh, get control of our emotions, if at all yeah. possible. So I've got two verses here because obviously the scripture speaks more to this area than many of these others. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's kind of dealing with anger. Proverbs 29, 1, and I am using the ESV, so <gasps> brace yourselves. A fool gives full <laughs> vent to a spirit. I just like that phrasing. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So um, I thought that was really good, especially when considering emotions. Emotions aren't wrong. In fact, we my favorite quote with emotions is that they're like children. We don't put them in the trunk, but we shouldn't let them drive. So when we feel an emotion, whether anger starts to rise up in the workplace or against something that's is that, happening. Is that in the ESV too? <laughs> it should be. No, I'm just kidding. Now is. that's real heresy right there. I we just went there. Chris Owens just left the room. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, um, that is a good thing though. We should be, when we have emotions, strong emotions, whether we feel, you know, the tears welling up or we feel anger rising up at what they said or how that was done, then the question is not to say, okay, I'm going to let this drive me or I'm just going to shove it back. It doesn't matter. The question is say, okay, why am I feeling this? Is it because I have been using my time unwisely and I haven't had any sleep for three days or I've been up with sick kids and I'm a little on edge and I need to just step back and say, okay, this is why I'm feeling this. Okay. Um, Is it because there is something in my heart, Lord, that is really bringing up a wrong attitude here? Um, I'm doing a study right now and the author had us answer the question, that the Lord asked in the Garden of Eden, the very first question the Lord asked humans, what is it? Do you know? It's not, the question is not, what is it? I'm asking you, what is the first question that God asked Adam and Eve? 
Where art thou? That was for them. Sorry. I just remembered it. <gasps> oh, just kidding. Where are you? And she brought up something really interesting about that, that question and why God asked it that I had never considered and about intimacy and communication. But she had us do something interesting. She had us write out before the Lord, where am I? Where am I spiritually, emotionally, all these places? And I thought, well, this is kind of stupid, but I'm an obedient student, so I do stuff anyway, usually when the teacher tells me. So I wrote it out, and I was shocked because sometimes I did mine in bullet points, and the phrase or the word I chose revealed a lot about my heart. And I was shocked. I was like, one of them was a disappointment, and it was involved with people. And I thought, whoa, it's because I'm looking to people to fulfill something rather than looking to God. Um, So, again, feelings. That goes back to what I'm feeling very often if I will – examine it and not all the time just being overreactive with this but being wise and saying okay I shouldn't be letting this drive but why is it here and Lord do you need to deal with something or should I be spending time in prayer asking you to change this we're talking about strong emotions it's it's absolutely appropriate to feel frustrated or angry or sad in the midst of something that is frustrating Mm -hmm. worrisome sad or potentially a problem the problem is whenever that emotion becomes so strong, it begins to control you. An emotion mm-hmm. is a warning light mm-hmm. in your life yeah. that something is wrong, and that's okay. That's all given by God. If you don't know that, you should watch uh, Inside Out, made by Pixar. <laughs> Emotions are something that have been given to you by God to warn mm-hmm. you about some potential danger to yourself or to others. Mm-hmm. Um, what you've got to do is stop and ask yourself, okay, why am I feeling these things? And what can I do with these things right now to help the people that I'm with and to help myself and to Mm -hmm. help ultimately uh, advance the kingdom of God? But ladies, to be blunt, tearing up Mm -hmm. devalues your opinion uh, or devalues you way too much Mm -hmm. within an organizational structure. So you have to control that. Men blowing up makes you suddenly not the spiritual leader that people thought that you were. And so both devalue you tremendously. Yeah, there's something very helpful that um, I've learned that I am hoping to teach my daughters. And so for moms out there, this is a good one. When it comes to tearing up, um, the idea of trying not to cry, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. Rather than thinking not cry, think this is precious. My emotions are a gift from God. My tears are precious. I'm not going to waste them over foolish things because you know as you get girls as Annabeth gets a little bit older there's going to be times she's going to cry over something so silly or you know you've got that daughter um because we know you're having a girl Madison and you know ladies listening at home um that's going to cry because you know something just bad happened her whole paper deleted off the computer and that's hard and what do we do we just cry well no don't waste your tears over something like that life is hard don't cry over that so saving them for what's precious um the next one, multitaskers. Are we ready? Are we? Mul- we're mul- this is a, see. This was all part of an example. Do you see how he's multitasking? Those who are listening, <laughs> my my husband is actually Don't eating nuts. There are when we're people, supposed to be teaching because so he's a multitasker. For those who's he's breaking the stereotype. These, for those who listen to this, I just got peanuts from Matt Elin, and some fell on the floor, yeah. and I ate them. Look, there are two kinds of people in the world: men eat off the floor, mm-hmm. and women don't. That's not in the notes. It's That's in the notes. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to multitasking, so uh, men are typically what we call single task, or I made up a word, unitaskers. Feel free to use that because it sounds stupid. It makes me think um, of unitards. <laughs> they wear unitards and they do one task at a time. Um, so, There's no, but that. here's the thing: realizing that we communicate differently. But this is something that I have been growing in. 
Um, I heard a quote. It's actually on my vision board. It says, listen, so people will want to talk to you and talk. So people will want to listen. So you'll all be happy to know that I am trying to listen more. I have listen on my vision board. It's on my prayer list to grow in the aspect of listening. But one of the things I've realized is multitasking is a wonderful gift that God has given us and it helps us accomplish a lot. But there are times that the Lord's been showing me the importance of stopping what I'm doing and turning and looking at the person. So um, this is something I told you I'm thankful for all of you. And I can think of something I've learned from each and every person in this room and by the families that are represented here, the wives that are at home. I can. The Lord's been showing me and growing me through you. So I thank you for that. One of the lessons he taught me was through um, Caleb, who's not here. I was, it was some office communication. I was telling Caleb an update about a teenager, someone I had talked to. It wasn't anything super important. But I remember it startled me because I'm doing my work. And all of a sudden, Caleb, in the midst of this, when I start talking, Caleb turned from what he was doing and he leaned upon his knees to listen. And I remember it almost shocked me because I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't important. And I'm like, I mean, it just shocked me. And I know that this is one of my husband's pet peeves is when I am doing stuff. And I'll even say sometimes, I know I've said it to you, Blake, where I'm like, I'm, I'm listening. I'm just doing this. And it's really the Lord's work on my heart. So I'm just going to share my small group time right now. This is the one that I am working on is uh, not letting my multitasking take away from communicating and connecting with others. That's important with church members. We get so busy on Sundays and the power conveyed in stopping and saying, people want to be known. They want to be heard saying you are important. I am listening to you. There is nothing else more important right now than what yeah. you're saying. It's, it's not, powerful. it may not be that you need to communicate. It may not be that you need to talk with them. And you, you say, I already know what they're going to say. I already know. I already, I, I get it. It's not what you need. It's what they might need. So for you to put everything down, look them in the eye and, and, and hear that's good mm-hmm. for them. And I don't want to undervalue what you just said about Sundays. Um, you might have four things going on, but if you can stop, mm-hmm. look somebody in the eye, my brother's told me this week, he was just in Washington, D.C., and we have a good friend that works uh, as a lobbyist now, and uh, he, he said, hey, J- Matt, you want me to show you uh, the, wa- the Washington, D.C. handshake? And he said, sure. Maybe you've seen this before. He said, here, sh- shake my hand. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> the Washington, D.C. handshake is you shake the person's hand, and you look everywhere but in those person's mm. eyes, always looking for the more important person around. Yeah. We do, you can go to Washington and see that. And you can come to Southern Hills and see that. So yeah. what we do is welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. I've got three important things that need to be mm-hmm. done. Toilet paper needs to be grabbed, and and uh, and I need to get this thing. Look, uh, service is going to start, or it's not going to start. But one of the things that we can teach our people, mm-hmm. if we don't want Southern Hills to be a performance-based entertainment place, is we can teach them um, that it is or that it's not by sometimes stopping. Say it doesn't matter. I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to communicate. I'm not. I'm going to stop multitasking, and I'm going to minister and communicate to this person right mm-hmm. now. Oh, there's balance. Yeah. If it's the same person every day, <laughs> every time, then you know we can move on. Or you can hand them over to Pastor Chris. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here's the idea. All right. And I think realizing the value of the multitasker as well on that, realizing, okay, this is something we're just chatting about life and, you know, it's not, we're joking about stuff. Yeah, they're, they're also listening, but they're doing this and, and valuing the ability that we have some, some of us have to do that as well. Okay. Uh, women typically use questions and men typically use statements. Okay. Questions again, we talked about this a little bit before because you want clarification to do something right. Statements are great because it's, it, it really is more, more direct communication. Mm-hmm. Like be clear with me. 
do this. Yeah. And that's where questions come into a problem for women. Women, especially when we need to get something done, whether you're dealing with volunteers or another staff member, um, again, we should all be one of our core principles is envisioning your staff one day who's going to be working for you. Recognizing too, if you work with women, they probably may be asking you to do something, but that's really, this has to be done. They're not really asking. So the common thing is that men will very directly say, get this done, have it on my desk by Monday. A woman, even in the military, Women tend to soften things and say, could you please, would you have time? Could, could we have this done? They'll even use collaborative language when it's totally the guy's job to get that done or it has to be done. And because it can be softened, it doesn't sound essential. I've, I've done this before where I realized later, whether I'm communicating with women or men, because I used a softer term, I did, it had to be done and they didn't realize that it, it had to get done. It seems like it's optional. <laughs> So make that clear. Use that direct communication. Uh, women, when it comes to questions, we were talking about decision-making. A lot of times we way, use questions. Before you move on, one of the things we have to be careful of is being offended when somebody gives us a direct statement. Mm. Um, yeah. I have a problem with this because of my personality style. I'm much more relational. I like smiles and positivity. And so when I get a direct, you know, hey, this needs to get done. Even Fred and I have worked together for years. There are times where Fred's just, boom, get this done. And uh, I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, yeah. he didn't mean anything by that. It's just a direct statement. Mm-hmm. And I've actually grown and understand and value that. And I need to do that even mm-hmm. more with the people that I work with. Yeah. So we can grow in both of these areas. Direct statements are very helpful, mm-hmm. but also um, questions. Yeah. So a lot of times we talked about using questions for clarification, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's a powerful tool. But as we want to be empowered to make decisions, kind of circling back to that principle, if you are trying to grow and say, well, how do I know which decision to make? I don't have all the information because you're a detail person. The Marines have a principle and I love it because I'm not a great decision maker. And this has been so helpful. It's called the 80% rule. You only, you're probably not going to get 100% of the information before making a decision. But if you get 80% of the information about that, that thing, then you can make an effective and good decision. And that's better than procrastinating and putting off or pestering someone about something. Make the decision. Use the 80% rule and you'll have an effective decision there. So did you have anything else you wanted to add about statements or questions? No. Okay, see how I used a question there? Because I'm a woman. I made made a very direct statement. (laughs) Okay, last thing we'll close with, and again, this one's going to sound really harsh for us ladies, Uh, negative Nellies and positive Pauls. And of course, we all know men who can be negative and women that are positive. But again, this goes back to the um, detail-oriented, the fact that um, women tend to look at and learn from mistakes. So when a thing's coming up, because we're more detail oriented, many times we'll say, but last time we did this, this, and this happened. And men on the other hand, when something goes bad, they just think, Oh, maybe I was just unlucky. Yeah. And they'll Dobson talks about this with little boys, a little boy and little girl, both be riding a tricycle on something that's precarious. They have an accident. The little girl thinks, well, that was stupid. I shouldn't ride my tricycle along a ledge like that. Little boy's like, I'll get it next time. Next time time it'll be better. (laughs) And he does it again and again. It makes his mother crazy. So the idea here is remembering that very often, um, the positivity needs to realize, okay, I need to look at details. I need to be realistic because I am going to have people underneath me that are going to be panicking because I'm just like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. As women, we need to draw a little more on that because we have the opportunity as leaders to change the climate in the room. Um, very often it's easy for us to be like, yeah, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why this wasn't planned better. Why we don't have enough workers for this. Instead, we should say, you know what? We're going to be problem solvers. This is amazing. Isn't it amazing that we have so many kids that showed up for this? 
praise the Lord, let me see if I can get some extra help in here and text a few people. This is one of the things that I remember learning at um, Pensacola, the position that I had working at the desk, is is you never say they because they is you. Mm. Um, so at the front desk, when somebody's like, hey, why is this going on? And be like, I don't know. They didn't tell. Yeah. No, they is you. Like they see yeah. you at the front desk and you are Pensacola Christian at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so for you to pass the buck, it, it, you think in the moment that makes me look good in comparison to the organization. Mm-hmm. No, it just makes you look even worse uh, and the organization look worse yeah. uh, because you won't even take claim to be part of the organization in which you represent. So, um, and this is going to be more and more necessary for us to be spirit filled in this and to realize that we are all together in this because as the church grows, there's going to be more and more times that we're having bumps in the road, that there's not enough room for all the ministries that want to be here. That communication fell through somewhere. And the the most is human nature. The thing that we want to do when there's a complaint is be like, yeah, I don't know why that happened. They should have fixed that. No, it's like, oh, man, let me see what I can do about that. You know, I know it's isn't it amazing, though, that both Journey and Toastmasters want to be here. Isn't it amazing that we had so many teenagers show up that they wanted to be a part of this and the parents needed something to do yeah, or whatever? Look at something and try to be that problem solver. And like Josh said, realize it's not it's so easy to be like, oh, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's like the Garden of Eden all over again. Oh over there and realize no we have the opportunity to change that because what happens is if we become negative and critical it's going to spread to the church it's going to we are leading god has put us us in this position that we get the opportunity to influence people and satan hates it and he wants to bring um, disunity in the church he wants to bring a critical spirit of everything's bad and everything's wrong and it's not and we have the power with our words to effectively lead the thought process and process and say this is amazing what god's doing and let's work on this so heather which of these areas do you need to grow in the most a big one is the multitasker that's a huge one for me, the multitasker, and then positivity, I think, too, working and focusing on the positive. For so those are my two. For me, I don't need to work on any of these. No, okay. The ones I You're need to worry— You're overvaluing your communication skills. That's right. Now, the areas that—yeah, to, I'm tooting my own horn. Uh, no, the area that I would need to—I um, I feel that I need to grow in is twofold. Number one, uh, blow up. So um, I've, there have been many times that my I, my emotions will grow out of control. And I don't know if the newer staff has been here in moments that I've lost uh, lost my mind a little. I know uh, Jason and Fred and Heather have seen the, some of those moments. Um, maybe maybe you have as well. But I've, I need to get control of that. I need to uh, give that to the Lord and help the Lord uh, overwhelm my emotions more than my emotions overwhelm me. The other one um, that kind of stuck out to me uh, was uh, positive st- or uh, using questions versus using statements. Um, I've actually, I think, with my direct reports sometimes, and even with the pastors, sometimes I have not been as clear in my statements. Uh, but uh, what do you think, and how can we do this? And the problem is that leads to confusion. And so through studying this and communication, I've come to the realization I can be more direct uh, than I have been in the past. So that's where I would say um, I'm trying to grow in most. Okay, thank you for listening to episode number 48 of the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. We hope you enjoyed that episode. On next week's episode, episode 49, we plan on discussing a really fun topic called Is It in the Bible? Kind of a game show, Heather. A little bit. I've got some good ones lined up, and you'll be able to play along with your uh, doing some housework, driving. You'll be able to answer the questions with us. See if you know. Is that phrase commonly heard in the Bible? Play with your family and friends. 
good times ahead for us. All right. We want to ask you to do one thing for us. And just this is what, one thing? Just one thing. All we want you to do is rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Now, if you do this. A little this, R&R. If you, a little rate and review. A little rate and review. Uh, if you review and rate our podcast on iTunes, we are going to read you and give you a shout out. So it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, you rate and review. Other people can find our podcast a lot easier, and we're gonna we're gonna read your comment on air and Ooh, contact you. Can be you. a celebrity. That's right. On the Bible talks. Now, one thing that we want you to always remember to do when the Bible talks: be sure to listen. <laughs>